Amen. So, guys, I have been trying, <laughs> as you guys know, to move past the Believer's Authority sermon series. In fact, I even had a good idea. I was a good idea. And I told Sid, I was like, hey, Sid, you need to start making a graphic for the next series because, you know, I, I'm really sensing, like, I have, this, I have this good idea. It's time to stop doing the Believer's Authority and move on. And so when I sent her the notes or the message or something, Sid was just like, I thought we were moving on series, right? But that was, a, that was my idea to move forward. It was God's idea to keep us planted here for a little bit longer. And I can't tell you how much longer it's going to be. And I'm, I'm sensing that it's going to be a little bit longer because he's revealing actually something different he wants to do next. And so my good idea of what was going to happen next may not be exactly what he wants to go do next. So I'm excited about that. And I got confirmation yesterday on it. So we are going through, we're trying to get rid of stuff out of our house. How many of you feel free sometimes when you just start getting rid of stuff? Yes, yeah, so good. And so we went to this bookcase uh, in the corner of our living room, and it has all these books on it. And most of them are like books that I've used to prepare messages, devotionals, Bibles, all these books. And so I'm going through this pile, it's probably a hundred books. You know how many books I got rid of? <laughs> Liz got rid of a few more. I got rid of one book. It was like, I could bring myself to get rid of one book. I'm like, oh my gosh, so these other 99 are really that important to you? I was like, yeah, I feel like they're super important to me. And so I picked up T.L. Osborne's, I don't know if it's, is it Jesus? Jesus the Healer? I can't remember the exact title. Of it. I haven't even read the whole book. That's why it's on the shelf. I'm ready to read it. And I open it up, I literally do one of those, you know, like, oh Lord, show me the scripture, you know, you have for me today, and you open the book, I'm like, oh, it's Psalms 103, yeah? So no, like, so I open this book, and do you know what the title of the chapter was? The Believer's Authority. The Authority of, no kidding, this happened yesterday. I just opened it up, I was like, okay, I guess we're going to stay here for a little bit. So I was planning on staying here for a little bit today, and I actually want to do a little activation today. Uh, so I want to go over a couple things. One, let me just read our main scripture, because I think it's important to keep us in front of us. It's Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel, church, to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. This authority we have because of Jesus, signs that will follow us, signifying the authority of Jesus moving and operating in our lives are these things. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. and If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so these signs are to notify people. This is, this is Mark's great commission. It's for, for, it was Mark saying, this is what will arrest the attention of the unbeliever. What's going on in Kentucky is arresting the attention of the world, of the United States, of the unbeliever. And I believe it's not going to happen just there, but as it spreads, I believe God is doing things and moving, and we're being able, I mean, it's arresting the attention. People are repenting and turning back to God. Christians, come on guys, lukewarm, 
Many of us have fallen into this situation many times in our Christian walk. He is calling us into a deeper, a deeper relationship. It's what we talked about all morning so far. That's what God is doing. That's what he wants. Are you hungry for him? So I want to encourage you this morning, because if you are a believer, and Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the grave, and the authority that he has transferred to us is yours. You have it. The authority that you can walk in is as much as Paul was walking in, or as Peter was walking in. And I think sometimes we're just like, well, you know, that was for somebody else. That was for another day. That was for another time. You know, they, you know Peter knew Jesus, so maybe that's why it was different. But the Bible doesn't say it was different for anybody. It says that the believer's authority, that we as a believer have that authority. So I want to encourage you, no matter your age, young men, no matter your age, you have the believer's authority. If you believe Jesus and who he is in your life, you can take that authority over situations in your life. Teenagers, the same thing. I want to encourage you this morning. You have that authority in Christ Jesus. So this authority of a believer, this anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something, unwavering, this unwavering belief in who Jesus is and this authority that he has given us. And I'm not going to go through all the the past couple uh, things that Jeremy, Reverend Jeremy Gall had said, but I do want to point something out. Everyone has this handout here. There's a few. Does anybody not have this little handout? Pastor Liz did a fantastic message. Just raise your hand if you don't have one. A fantastic message uh, last week. And really the title of her message was Be a Working Light Bulb. Because in the previous week, Jeremy Gall gave the analogy of switching on the light switch and the light comes on and all the darkness flees immediately. Right? There's no, like, there's no time. Right? You know how fast light moves. It's really quick. Okay, You can't even see that it's moving. So when you flip that light switch on, The darkness goes right away. And she did this incredible message on being a working light bulb. And so she had a couple slides up there. So one, I wanted to give them to you because I think it's important to understand as I was looking at it and just meditating on what she was sharing last week, this foundation that we have of Jesus. You want to put that slide up there for for me, Paul? I know I skipped a bunch of stuff. Yeah, this foundation we have in Jesus, and then these pillars that go across, this knowledge, the fear of the Lord, which actually we talked about already this morning a little bit, compassion and faith, all is this foundation for the authority. And then when we take the action in boldness of the spoken word, then the Holy Spirit moves in great power. And so on the backside is really the, the lies of the enemy, the counterfeit of this, this house or this, these pillars that are built on there and what, what the enemy ends up leading to. So this was last week. This was what, what it means to be a working light bulb. Well, this morning, I want to activate the light bulb. This morning, I want to activate each and every one of you as a light bulb. So it's good to have this. This is, this is great. And I feel like the Lord gave me this message to follow on what Pastor Liz had because it was setting this foundation of what does it mean to be a working light bulb. And she prayed at the end, but I, the Lord was speaking to me. There's a prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 that we're going to walk through this morning. And it's verses, uh, you can go turn there now. It's Ephesians 1 verse 17 through 23. And I called it, this message is not on the title, but we're going to activate the light bulbs this morning. 
How many are ready to activate the light bulb? Because it's great to have the knowledge. It's great to understand these things. But if it's not activated and you don't use it, it's like having the switch there that we're not ever turning it on. So I want to activate this light bulb this morning. So there's prayers in Ephesians. There's actually three of them. I don't know if I'll do a couple others in the following weeks. Again, I'm not sure as I was mentioning how the Lord wants to lead us here. But these prayers in Ephesians, we should personalize these prayers. We should personalize, and we're going to do that this morning. We should personalize these prayers. There's three of them. One's in Ephesians 1, one is in Ephesians 2, one is in Ephesians 3. We should personalize these prayers and pray them daily expecting expecting that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will come to us to activate us to do what God has called us to go do. This revelation reveals the call of our purpose to rule and reign with him far above the enemy. So again, it's great to have it in our minds, but we have to activate and let the Holy Spirit move and work so we have this boldness and this spoken word that we begin to activate these things in our life. We have been given the same authority to rule and reign over the devil that the early believers had. When we use that authority, the devil must give place to our authority and he must flee. It says resist the devil and he what? Will flee. He flees. And the word there, the flee, is like, man, he's like running. It's not like a simple, like a little bit of like, ah, I'm just kind of, well, I hear that, but maybe I'm not going to move. It's the light bulb. It's the switch. It's got to go, and he has to go right away. And we have been, I'll tell you what, God has been moving and working in our own house, and just even Liz and I, as we are, we come up to situations, and we have circumstances that come into our life, and many a times, you know, we would just, oh, you know, we should pray about that. Come on, church. How many of you guys have done the, yeah, we should pray about that? Spouses, you start talking to each other, you're just like, "Mm, yeah, you know what? We should pray about that. But what we've been doing is we've been pulling an Erica, which an Erica is like, don't don't wait around. Don't think about it for another three or four days and then try to remember to get back to it. But immediately we're like, we're going to pray. We're going to take authority right now over the situation. And I was dealing with something. I was challenged with something. And I was, we, we were going through purchasing a vehicle. And all these things from the past were stirring up. And I'm not getting into all the details. But I was struggling. I was, and Liz walked in the car. And she's like, you know, we could talk about this all day. Or we could just pray about it right now. And she, as my spouse, took authority over the situation. And laid hands on my head. And the spirit that was on me, that was trying to lie to me and bring me down, was broken in the name of Jesus right there. Right there, right now. It had to go. It didn't have a choice. She has authority in my life. I have authority in her life. We're equally yoked. We're submitting to one another. All those things that will be in marriage conference we'll do later. But what if you understand what all that means is she has the authority to lay hands on me and pray over me and command the things that shouldn't be there to go. She's a believer. And we're we're spouses. And so I want to encourage you, I want to activate you this morning. That this is, not, this is not just a fancy message. This is not a, just a great series that we're doing. Oh, that series. You remember that series we did back then? That was so fantastic. Like, I don't want you to say that. What I want you to say is, Pastor Jason, 
I took authority yesterday over this situation and God moved and changed the circumstances. I took authority in the name of Jesus over this, over that, and things began to move and things began to break. And even though I didn't see it, I know that God is working and he's moving and he's changing lives. He's changing my family. He's changing my marriage and he's working because I'm taking the authority in the name of Jesus over this circumstance. Jess, authority in the name of Jesus over the circumstance with your son. Now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's agree with her right now. In the name of Jesus, devil, get your hands off of that young boy. And whatever it is that is working and moving his life, we tell it to go now in Jesus' name. Guide the doctor's hands. Move in his life. Healing is his in Jesus' name. And may he come to a revelation of knowing you even greater. May the testimony on the other side be absolutely amazing in arresting the attention of every person that he comes into contact with. In Jesus' name. That's what I'm talking about, church. Let's not wait around. You get, a, you get a prayer request, you get a text message, stop and pray. Let's go. Let's do it right now. Ephesians 1, starting in 17. I'm excited. Come on, church. I'm excited. Man, I'm, man what God is doing and moving, it is exciting. And I feel like the Lord told me, like, you know, Maybe, hopefully this analogy makes sense. I'm not the king of analogies. Pastor Liz is the queen of analogies. She's so good at that. Uh, but the Lord told me, like, when we were doing this series, and it's just like, oh, is he ever going to end this thing, right? But what I felt like is there's like, you know, you do a couple weeks and you have, oh, that was a nice series. And what the Lord has led us to do it a little bit longer, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm pulling information from college-level classes and inference coming. So you are getting like a college course on the believer's authority. But we didn't stop there. Well, I'm continuing to go. It's like we're moving into the master's and the doctorate level of the believer's authority. It's not like a little bit of understanding on this thing. It's like a lot of understanding on this thing. And when you're in med school, when you're just in med school, you don't get to do the surgery. You don't get to touch the patient and make the diagnosis. But when you become a doctor, when you become and the knowledge now is activated, you then begin to walk in and say, here's what's going on in this room. And I understand what's happening. And here's how we're going to address this. And here's what we're going to go fix. And here's what we're going to go, in our case, take authority over and say, oh, I thought it was that, but the Holy Spirit told me something different. And it's actually this. And this is the thing that needs to go now in Jesus' name. So church, I'm with you. I'm becoming a doctorate level in the believer's authority. And I hope you're walking here with me on this as well. So Ephesians 1.17, here's the prayer. I call this the prayer of activation over the believer's authority. I'm going to walk through it fairly quickly. We might pick it up a little bit next week as well as this, but I wanted to just pray this over you as well. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the God, this is a prayer. We are praying this prayer. So every one of you, as I'm reading this, think of this like you are praying it. So we are praying, Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may what may give you the spirit of wisdom. Just stop right there for a minute. Wisdom is correctly applied knowledge. 
So we're at saying, hey, I've studied the word, I understand this, but I need the wisdom in order to apply this in the situation in which I'm in. Holy Ghost, help me discern what it is, what I have to go after, what I have to just speak to, what is the thing that is really the issue here. So not just the spirit of wisdom, but also in revelation. And revelation is this unveiling, this uncovering, this disclosure, which makes us see something that we didn't see before. Right? Remember my, the sleep apnea? I almost said my again. Right? I don't accept it. The sleep apnea journey that I had, I was taking authority and praying for something that wasn't actually the problem. And nothing was changing. But when the Lord arrested my attention, when I was sleeping on the couch because I couldn't sleep anywhere else, and I lost my breath and I woke up and he said, it's not sleep apnea, it's acid reflux. And I was like, oh. The eyes of my understanding were opened. The revelation that the Lord gave me became clear and I began to address that not sleep apnea, I began to address this acid reflux and begin, as soon as I began to do that, it's gone. I haven't lost my breath a single time since then. This was months ago. So this revelation, this understanding that our eyes are coping, then it also says in the knowledge, in the knowledge is, in the scriptures tell us not to ask God for knowledge. If you, I don't know if you know that or not. Scriptures don't ever tell us to ask for knowledge, but only for wisdom and revelation. Knowledge is our, we, we have to go get the knowledge. We go get it, but the knowledge isn't enough. How many of you know the knowledge isn't enough? You can, mem- you can memorize the whole Bible. Come on, church. Let's cast out some religious spirits here this morning. You could go and memorize the entire New Testament, and if you have no revelation and no wisdom by the Holy Spirit through it, it does you actually no good. You're just saying words now. But when you have the revelation and you allow the the, the word of God, which is living and breathing, to actually penetrate in and it changes your heart and changes your soul and your thoughts and your mind and your mind becomes renewed, that scripture, man, this is like revelation to me. I need the word of God. I want to memorize scripture. Not so I can just memorize scripture, so that it can be so deep on the inside of me that when something happens, what comes bubbling out? The word of God. I gave this analogy. Oh, maybe I am the king of analogies today. Come on, kings of analogies today. Here we go. So I gave this analogy a long time ago. I don't remember what it was in context to, but the Lord reminded me of it today. Is a tea bag. Do you know if you have a tea bag, now of course you've got a great sense of smell and you know all the different things. You could probably tell me what the tea bag is. But in general, if you're me and there's a tea bag, I can't tell you the flavor or what's on the inside of that tea bag. But what do you do with a tea bag? Is you pour hot water on it. And when you pour hot water on it, what comes out is the flavor of the tea. What comes out is, the, is what is inside that tea bag begins to permeate the situation in the hot water that it's actually in. And many a times we get into hot water and we learn real quickly what comes permeating out of our tea bag. Yeah, and you're just like, whoa, where did that come from? But when we have that word of God on the inside, and not just memorized, but there's this revelation, and not not just the knowledge, but the revelation wisdom of it, that our eyes have been opened, when the hot water comes, the only thing that comes out of us is the word of God, because that's all we can really rely on in that situation. So I want my tea bag filled with the word of God, amen? 
So in the knowledge of who? Of him. Which gets back to what Pastor Liz was saying last week. This foundation is Jesus. This activation of the believer's authority has to rest on the cornerstone, the foundation of Jesus. Verse 18. And then we pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Enlightened. Light. The eyes of our understanding. The New Testament miracle of blind eyes being opened happened post-Jesus. Very interesting to me. Very interesting. There were no miracles that I can find or recorded of blind eyes being healed in the Old Testament. It's like a New Testament miracle. The Old Testament, I can't find them. But in the New Testament, post-Jesus, Jesus is the eye-opener. Jesus is the one who gives the revelation, the enlightening of our eyes. He is the foundation of this light bulb that we want to be when he turns it on. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Church, I want the lights to come on. I want the lights to come on in every situation of your life that you are walking through and, and, and being challenged with when those lights will come on. It says that you may know, to understand, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Do you understand what the hope of your calling is? You say, well, I'm, I'm searching for my calling. I'm searching for my calling. And yeah, there are specific callings that each of us have in our life. But there are aspects of a calling that every believer has. Every believer has certain aspects. And I'm not going to list them all or go through them all. But one of these are that you are a people chosen, called, and faithful to him who is sitting at the right hand of the God to rule and reign on this earth. That is part of your calling. Part of your calling is to rule and reign over Satan in this earth, on this earth. Jesus isn't here, guys. He's up there, or wherever it is. You know, we always think heaven is up. I'm assuming it is, because we're on the earth. It's not down, right? So heaven is out there somewhere. That's where Jesus is. He's not on this earth. He's given us the Holy Spirit, but he has called us, the church, the people, the congregation, Erie Christian Fellowship Church, to be his hands and his feet. And if he was walking around healing the sick and taking authority, what on earth do you think we should be doing? What on earth do you think we should be doing? On this earth, on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be taking the authority over situations in our own lives, in our friends' lives, in our co-workers' lives, and beginning to pray and move. That's a calling all of us have. It's not, it's not like, well, that's the pastor's calling. No. It's the believer's authority. It's all of us. It's the entire church collectively together. The church is God's instrument to rule and reign with him and to unseat the principalities and powers of darkness. Come on, church, let me read it again. The church is God's instrument. We're his tool. We are the ones who rule and reign with him to unseat the principalities and powers in this world. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The riches of the glory of his hand. And, I, and as you read this, as you study this, this richness and wealth, it's not just monetary. It's what has God has done and is doing about saving mankind, making an eternal relationship with him. Come on, an eternal relationship with him. That's riches and glory. This is not talking about financial wealth. This is talking about the riches and glory for eternity with him. We are called to make an impact in that 
on our earth. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now, verse 19. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is the most powerful. I say that facetiously a little bit. The most powerful scripture in the Bible. Because it says the word power four times in different Greek words. So you want to you hold on to a scripture on power? It would be Ephesians 1 verse 19. Because it uses four different words for power, four different Greek words for power in one scripture verse. It says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? This power, this first one here, is my favorite one. Is which one? Dunamis. Everyone knows I love the, I'm going to get a t-shirt, dunamis power. People are going to ask me, Pastor Jason, what is that dunamis thing? What does that mean? Why are you walking around with that, with that thing? What does that mean? It says Greek. Greek for what? And it's for God's miracle working power to bring people into repentance to see God's kingdom grow. Hallelujah. That's the kind of power that I want to be able to walk around with as a believer. This dunamis power, God's stored up miracle working power. It's an inherent power, a power of reproducing itself. It's this miraculous power. It says, towards us who will believe according to the working, which actually is another word for power in Greek. It's uh, um, energia. I'm not putting these up there. But what this, this word means, the effectual working or operation or overt power. So it's working power. It's like this dunamis power is God's miracle working power, but this working here is a working power. It's moving, it's overt, it's changing circumstances, and it's moving out. It's energy. That's where we get the word energy from, right? You know, people have energy. Uh, Reverend Jeremy Gall, I love what he said when he walked in that room when there were people using a, uh, a Ouija board. The energy of the Lord. He didn't walk into that room screaming and yelling, saying, stop, 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 in Jesus' name. He didn't jump on the table. He didn't run through the room laying hands on people. Just the power and the presence of the Lord, of a believer's authority as he stepped into that room. It was like Jesus stepped into the room. And the demonic power stopped being able to work. That's, that, that's what we're talking about right there. That type of power. It's this working power. It's this power that moves out. That moves out from a believer. Just according, to the, according to the power of his mighty power. So there's two words there. Mighty means power and power means power. So you know when the Bible says to like repeat stuff? Like they use all four, Paul used all four Greek words here. Oh, this is in, yeah, in Ephesians. All four Greek words for power all in one sentence. Come on. Power, 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 power. And this is what I want to impart or activate in us this morning. Of his mighty power. This mighty word is an ability, a force, a strength, a might. And then this power word, is the next one, the last one is kratos, which is a force, a strength, which is inherent strength residing in God himself. And then verse 20 says this, and Sid, if you want to come back up here. Ephesians 1.20 then says this which he worked in Christ. All the power, all four of them, the dunamis, the energy power, the working power, the mighty power, the power power, all the powers, which he worked in Christ. When? When did all that happen? When Jesus was on the earth? Uh Uh-uh. 
when he raised him from the dead. When Jesus rose from the grave is when that that passing of this authority and this power is now available and, and for us as a believer to operate in on a daily basis. When he raised him from the dead, and what and he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And now that Jesus is sitting in that right hand, when he is the interceder for us, when we pray, we say we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus, why do we pray in Jesus' name? We pray amen, right? Most people end our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray amen. Even when you're praying over your food. What we're doing is we're praying to Jesus as he's interceding on our behalf. So when we use the name of Jesus. We are basically saying, in the name of Jesus, we are praying that the movement of his power and his effectual working and his dunamis, all that he is, is moving and working in a situation. Not our own strength, not our own power, not our own knowledge, but him who is moving. Because he's at the right hand of the Father. And verse 21 says this, Him being at the, Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, what does that mean? It means that he is far above. We are raised with him. So we are also, church, far above. All principality and power and might and dominion. And that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Every principality, every rank, everything God has given us over the enemy. We have been given the right and the authority to use the name of Jesus over the enemy. As I mentioned beginning, when we are submitted to God and use the name of Jesus, the devil has to flee from us. In verse 22 and 23, and he put all things under his feet, all things under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. We are seated with him in heavenly places, and all things are also under our feet, the same as they were under his feet. And as I open, it's great to have this knowledge, but we have to have the revelation and be activated so that we move from this place, from these four walls, and when we move out, we are still the church. The church doesn't happen in these four walls. This is just where we gather. In fact, we've been talking about trying to stop calling it, you know, did you go to church? Well, I went to the gathering, and the church family was there because we are the church. So what God is telling us in in activating us this morning, and as we've been living out in our own lives, it's time, church, not just to hear the message, but it's time to go do the message. It's time to not just be the light bulb, but to turn it on and to activate it this morning. Can we activate it this morning? All right, stand with me, church. Why don't we stand? Our kids are watching. If we don't activate this in our own lives, how can we teach them? We just teach them with words. But what they do is they watch what we do. 
And if we don't mentor them and grow them up and train them up to do, then they will be no farther along in their capacity to do than we are. And I love the analogy of medical school. I love it because a doctor doesn't, you know, on his first day, he's not as skilled at diagnosing. He's not as skilled at knowing the problem, but he grows in that applied knowledge. He's diligent to get the knowledge and then he grows in applying it. So I just want to encourage you to do it. Um, Anna called me the week of Nutcracker. The Lord led us. We moved her to New York. It's our first time as a professional paid ballet dancer. So much work. Um, It was a yes from the Holy Spirit every step of the way. We're like, really? This? This is what we're going to do? Yes, this is what I created her to do. And so here she is. She's about to dance the principal role of Clara in the Nutcracker. And it's two days before, and she calls me, and she is sick. And she's like, no, 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 no. Mom, what do I do? And so this didn't exist, okay? This, I didn't have this yet. The Lord hadn't given it to me yet. But as you're preaching... And you're talking about activating. And the Lord's pressing in and saying, train up your children, church, in the way that they should go. I said to her, I said, have you been worried about the performance? Have you been in fear about how you're going to do? Have you been spending your time in the morning every day with the Lord? She's like, Mom, I trust God. I've been spending even more time. I'm getting up earlier to be with him because I know that I need him. And I'm pressing into him more during this time, because it's a stressful time. Okay. I said, I said to her, here's what I need you to do. I said, let's talk about who God is. Did God move you? That's faith. Let's talk about who he is. Did he move you there and put you in this position so that you would work and then not be able to partake and to take it to completion? Or is God the God who brings to completion the good works that he starts in us. Did God, did God author this? Did we, did we, Anna, tell me, did mom and dad just make this up? Did you go after this with two hands and say, I don't care what God says, I'm taking this position? Or did we go prayerfully into this position? Did we go prayerfully into Rochester, New York? Did we go prayerfully every step of the way? Who is the author of this moment in time? How did we get here? Did we author it, Anna, or did the Lord author it? She said, Mom, you know. I said, I do know. God authored this. He authored this. So he will take it to completion. I said, get a piece of paper. She's like, whatever, Mom. I have my phone. What do you want to say? (laughs) I said, I want you to make a list. You're going to do things in the physical. You're going to make tea. You're going to sleep as much as possible in the next two days. And I gave her a list. You're going to get the oils, man. Put oil on it. We're going to put the tea tree oil on. And I gave her a list of things to do in the natural. I said, but this is what, this is what you need to know. I said, in the spiritual, Anna, you need to take authority. I said, this sickness is not of God. We've established that. This is a violation of the enemy. You need to stand up and you need to say, in the name of Jesus, sickness, you must go. And I said, Anna, this is the most important part. I said, you need to say it in the same tone of voice that you would use for Maggie May if she was trying to get away with something. Maggie May is a five-year-old sister. Anna is the oldest, and we call her the enforcer. She is a stronger and more consistent parent than the two of us because we're tired, and we've been doing it for 21 years. But that was what, that's how I gave it to her. 
God is so good. He, he teaches us in ways that we can grasp it. I said, it's important. Your tone of voice yeah. and how you speak it is important mm. because you are in authority over the devil and he's trying to get away with something and he knows he can't do it. Do you know he, do you know that he's not authorized to do this to you right now? She's like, okay, mom, I hear you. And she did the things. She did the things. She didn't just ask for wisdom. She then did the things. So she did the things and that sickness left. It left within a day and a half. And then she was not sick. Her whole family went to see her and they all got sick, but she was not sick. She asked for wisdom. She heard, she took notes and she activated it. Now I could have prayed and I probably did pray. I could have prayed and done it for her, but she's, it's her time. She's 21 years old. We have a 21 year old. It's her time to do this. Church, activate. Activate. Ask the Lord, what area, Lord? What area? What has been creeping that I've let creep? What needs to go? And then I implore you as you have implored us. I just sit down. Gosh, Anna, he's so good. He's such a good preacher. She's like, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I am always inspired. The Holy Spirit always stirs up on the inside of me. It's not just that you're good at what you do. It's that the Holy Spirit moves. It's that the word is being preached with power. So I activate, church, activate this. Activate it. Ask God, Lord, show me what's been creeping. And you're going to, you church, you're going to stand up against it. And the devil is going to flee. Amen. So just, just close your eyes. Raise your hands up this morning. Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. Your homework assignment this week is to read it every single day. I don't care what your Bible reading plan was. I want you to read this every day and pray this prayer. And I'm going to speak it over you at least once. And I want you guys to receive this. Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, us, the Spirit of of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Lord, that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance for us who believe, that we would understand the exceeding greatness of your power towards us according to the working of your mighty power, which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That place that is far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also which is to come. Lord, that we would understand that you put all things under Jesus' feet, and you gave him to be the head over all things, the church to which is his body, where we are your body, the fullness of you who fills us all and all. So Father, I just pray that prayer over each and every one of us, that we would receive that wisdom, that revelation, that understanding of your mighty working power, that you would enlighten us and show us where there are issues and challenges, that we focus our attention on the specifics and we take that authority with boldness not timidity, but with boldness, with a spoken word. In the name of Jesus, we take that authority. So even this morning, 
Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and your demonic forces may not come against us. They may not come against anyone in this church in the name of Jesus. You may not come against our families, our finances, our properties, our health, our businesses. We say no in Jesus' name. You are bound away from us and our families. And we are covered and we are cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, you may not kill, you may not destroy us in the name of Jesus. I remind you, Satan, that you are defeated and that we are victorious in Jesus' name. So, Father, we give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. Father, we leave this place activated, active working light bulbs. That we are being turned our eyes are being opened and enlightened and our, our light bulbs, we are turning them on and darkness is fleeing in the name of Jesus. In situation after situation, in circumstance after circumstance. And Father, we thank you that it's your working power, not ours, that changes everything. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. We have a couple, uh, we have some group leaders coming up here who will be able to pray with you. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. Come up and pray with someone. If you need just to be in agreement with anything, come up here. They will pray with you. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you hopefully Wednesday night at prayer and worship. Love you guys.